Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for the woodworkers and maker community in general. This is episode number 14. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And unfortunately, Jordan Crawford wasn't able to make it tonight. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 6 p.m., although we're doing it on Mondays for the next three weeks after this at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to the comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So before we get into this week's episode topic, let's do a quick rundown of what we're working on. Um, Joey, uh, I'm very interested (laughs) to hear the story. (laughs) Okay, so I spent the better part of today installing a kitchen and everything went pretty good from my point of view. Um, so I just, just before we we went live, I got a a flurry of emails from the client, which is never a good sign. Um, and then my phone, then my phone starts ringing. I'm like, okay, this will be fun. So, and we've actually mentioned this before on the, on the podcast. Like we, we've always said, who whoever measures anything, client never gets out of tape measure and measures anything. Well, sorry to interrupt you. I just want to make sure this is the same kitchen that you've been working on for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To put in respect. So, um, so this guy's on the phone to me, literally with tape measure in hand, levels, straight edges out, critiquing my work on the phone to me. Oh yes. Uh, <clears throat> so. Yeah, there's, so there's definitely a mistake that I made and I'm going to correct that tomorrow. Um, actually, well, um, I, I don't actually think it's my mistake at this point, but something needs to be sorted out. We've got to find in a few millimeters and I will do that tomorrow morning. Um, Sorry, but, a few a few millimeters? Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm obviously not trying to say anything about negative about what this guy's saying because I don't know the full context, but yeah. is is he arguing over a few millimeters? Yeah. So he's been over the entire kitchen with his level one and straight edge, and he's found a, a two millimeter, um, up, up to two millimeters out of straight and flat and whatnot. Sure. Um, I'm like, okay, that's... That is not perfect, <laughs> but it's also not bad for a three and a half meter long bench yeah, top. Yes. Um, and we're on a crooked floor. Okay, these these this part of the job dealing with crooked things. That's that's what we do. Um, the main issue is this is a big square corner unit, and that really. You generally, you, you can't really build kind of scribers into a corner unit. It's, it's kind of that's what it is. Um, and the corner, when I measured up the studs, this, this thing was pretty square. Now that there was all the linings and everything on, this corner is not very square. And that's thrown some things out. And so I've been thinking about how I'm going to fix this. It seems like I've got to pull the entire kitchen out pull that corner unit to bits shave the back of the unit to make it fit into the corner better put it back together obviously this is all going to be on site put mm-hmm. it all back together somehow make it look nice <laughs> and then reinstall it all so i think that's going to be my day tomorrow but now sorry you you said it you you haven't measured the studs did you say i did measure the studs when i when i measured up for the job right but surely that it sounds like the argument is more with the 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 framing than your or or are you expected as the installer to make sure that you coincide with whatever the building looks like i mean is this could this be considered the the, the fact that the wall is a little bit out of alignment or is that yeah, still your responsibility uh well the, the, it's not my responsibility but it's it's really up to like say put my kitchen installer hat on and say it's up to the kitchen installer to work around these things. Ah, okay. Um, So it's definitely 
my problem to fix because I made the kitchen, but it's, it's, um, it's puts you in a bit of a difficult position. I'm not going to stand there and accuse anyone of saying, oh, your crooked house is the problem. That's not the point. Yes. It's just, yeah. it's just a, an annoying, uh, it's an annoying thing to have to do. And I've never actually had somebody walk around with a tape measure and start measuring off things being this measurement says one millimeter and this measurement says two millimeters. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Different. I mean, I can imagine, I can understand someone doing that if it looks out, Yeah, but it doesn't sound like it looks out and there's, it almost sounds like there's no way that he's looks at it and gone, mm, something's wrong with this. He's, he's almost, just gone straight in with the tape measure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, fine. That's what, that's what you want fine um, and uh but i actually uh yeah i, I was interested i kind of felt like he was talking to me like a, accusingly almost that was um, going to be one of my next question is what what was the conversation like is he looking to solve the problem or is he just shouting at you no no he's pretty reasonable but there was definitely a kind of a tone in the voice and i thought hmm um yeah, it's interesting, you know, you don't want to get in. I was calm, um, but, yeah, every time something comes up, you're like, right, did I do that? Did I just overlook yeah. something? Was it wasn't my fault. Mm. Obviously, it's my fault. You know, how can I fix it? And now that the, the kitchen is put together, like I've put toe kicks on and everything. So now it's like, okay, how do I get these off without wrecking everything? How do I take this apart? You know, so it really is pretty much going to undo everything I did today. So, um are you reading the, the the comments? I'm not going to repeat that on on our podcast, but I, th I think Joey's probably pretty close to feeling, <laughs> to feeling like that. Um, yeah. How how so, are the toe kicks um, uh, attached? They're not the clip-on ones like you get from your. Get no, kicks. I don't clip them on because they don't pull in enough, and they mm. they actually rattle a bit when you kick them. Ah, okay. Yeah. I usually, unfortunately, I put a daub of silicon on them, and um, yeah. that keeps them nice and. Um, it means you can rip them off if I have to, but it is there's a possibility of things not coming off perfectly. Yeah, um, but it's just uh, nature of the game, I suppose. <laughs> On a side note, that's actually a very interesting way of attaching a, a, a toe kick. I've never even thought of using silicon because I I jump for silicon over um, liquid nails mm. any day, especially because, as you say, that that rattle is then taken up by the the silicon because. Yeah. Yeah, that's the job. Yeah, that's interesting. And it, is, it will break. Like if you pull it hard enough, the silicon will break. And no, like the liquid nails or something is never going to release. Yeah. Um, the other way to do it, sometimes you can put a screw right at the top of the toe kick into the little plastic foot. Mm. You can screw into that plastic foot. Um, depends how far away you can get from the kitchen to see if you would see that screw or not. Yeah. If it's a reasonably small kitchen, you know, no one's ever going to be down that low. Um, so it doesn't matter. Mm. But if you can kind of see the kitchen from four or five meters away, you're probably going to be low enough to kind of start seeing screw heads. And that's no good. So, When I did my laundry, um, the the kit that I got came with this really junky toe kick. So the, 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 the carcasses were all store-bought, you know, and it comes with those little plastic legs. Yeah. And then the toe kick was awful. But more importantly, the floor that I was on was all over the place. So I thought instead of just, you know, scribing the toe kick that I got, let me go out and get my own toe kick. But then I had to align the legs up with the those clips. Right. And I got close. <laughs> yeah, it just it wasn't good enough. And, and that's why I say silicon would have just been so much better. Yeah, yeah, I don't like those clips. Um, I just never—they never seem to pull in far enough. No, not even, not even close. No, and so they—they they just tend to move around too much. So yeah, that's been my pretty cool well, <laughs> weekday since uh, we talked so, last. Is that everything on hold now until that's sorted out? Yeah, because I mean, do you have on the go? Tomorrow was a whole another full-on day of other work, so now that's all put on hold, and I'll go and mm. try and sort this thing out. Um, which is kind of stuffed up my week really, but right. I want to, I want to get paid for the kitchen because, uh, I'm due to be paid. I haven't been paid for a couple of weeks, so, um, mm. I just need to get that sorted out. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was the plan for tomorrow? 
Uh, so far, I think what I need to do is pull out the corner unit. That's that's the, I think that's the cause of problems, mm. and try and square it up in, in more than it is squared up. So, and like I say, I think that means pulling the back, backing off the unit, planing the actual carcass down to fit the shape of the corner, and then reattaching the backing again. Mm. So that's going to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. And let's just hope, and I don't know if this is possible, you can maybe convince him otherwise? Um, Change no. his mind? No. He's a measure, he's a measure and level man. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a bugger. So I, I guess I would just like to point out too, um, I'm a stickler for um, uh, accuracy when accuracy is called for. And with kitchens if you're having like a, a wooden top wooden bench top or a stainless steel bench top you can be out your all your your kitchen cabinetry they do not have to be perfectly flush and they don't have to be perfectly perfectly level mm-hmm. um, you what you're aiming for is the entirety of the length to be level okay so yeah each yeah. cabinet if you, you just work on each cabinet being level, that's not necessarily going to leave you with uh, a whole bench of cabinets that are level. Mm. They can step down or stagger depending what the floor is doing. And so I'm happy to leave a millimeter here or there and out of levelness from over a long distance um, because the bench top is going to take up any little lumps and bumps. That does not work for stone bench tops. <laughs> Um, stone bench tops, you have to be dead on flat and, and level because but you any, can't, can't you get a little bit of, uh, adjustments in, cause I assume when you attach the stone to the, the carcass, you just use some blobs of silicon and that'll take up a couple millimeter. Uh, I suppose it would. The, the, the catch area is around the bench top where there's a, sorry, where, where the sink's been cut out and you have a very thin piece of stone front and back usually only under 100 millimeters or so. Mm. And um, if there's any differences in the height level, yeah. um, that's where there's going to be a crack. Because yeah. even if you've got it sitting up on like a blob of silicon, somebody could jump up and sit on the bench top. And that's enough because you don't need any movement to crack a piece of stone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it has no flex in it. So that's when you really want to be careful with uh, installing your kitchen cabinets. Um, but otherwise, you know, if it's if it's not a brittle top, you know, you, you've got a bit of tolerance. But in this case, I've got, it seems like, zero tolerance. So, <laughs> Sorry, just to elaborate on your, what you were saying about the, the levels. Yep. So your goal is to make sure that the, each cabinet is on the same, the top of each cabinet is on the same plane, regardless of how level it is. Is that what you're uh, saying? Well, no, I'm saying... Say if you have four cabinets mm-hmm. put together, the 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 four units as a whole need to be level. <clears throat> Each cabinet may not end up being perfectly level, depending on how it's sitting and what it needs to do for its door fronts or drawer fronts. Um, so you're aiming for the whole unit to be one thing. So you screw them together and treat them as one. Right. Okay. Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. yeah. So you level the tops, screw them together, and then yeah. that's okay. I'm with and you. And depending on what's happening, there can be some differences in the middle of the unit. It's just that sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, in this case, it doesn't seem to be acceptable. <laughs> so. yeah. Cool. Well, um, in terms of what's been going on for- from my side, uh, probably oof, it's a couple episodes now ago. Um, oh, sorry, before we move on, Dale left comments. So, is this your last kitchen, Joey? No, uh, actually, no. I'm meant to be starting another one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, was this someone who got recommended? Didn't you say someone was someone came and saw this kitchen and then they got yeah. The, yeah. So the one I'm meant to be starting tomorrow, they walked into the workshop and saw the one which I've been talking about and said, right, I'll have one of those. 
You need to get that deposit quick before word of mouth speaks. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, the guy's not pissed off. He just wants it fixed, which is fair enough. It's just a bit annoying because it's very difficult to fix that last tiny little piece. That's why why it is like it is now, because getting that tiny little, like, last 1%, that's a whole lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. So a couple... Probably a couple of months ago now, I mentioned a YouTuber by the name of uh, Scott Turner. He's a guy in Townsville. And Scott and I are working on a collaboration at the moment to oh, do cool. just basically a simple coffee table. The idea that we had in mind is I bought this piece of mango wood a couple of months ago. It's probably dry enough. It's about as dry as it's going to be. Nothing ever really dries in Townsville. Mm. And I'm going to do the slab and he's going to do some metal legs. So he came around last week, uh, Friday, I think it was to show the legs that he's, that he's put together, just some simple, um, I think they're 20 mil square tube legs. And then shortly after that, I started working on flattening the slab. So, um, it's back out with the little handheld handheld router to get this slab flat. Luckily there's very little deviation or undulation in the slab. So it's not going to be, too bad. I mean, that router, that little palm router of mine has seen some, some hard times in the slabs that it's flattened, uh, but this should be pretty straightforward. Uh, so that, um, yep. What's mango like? Mango would like, I've never touched it. Um, to be, to be fair. So all I've done is, um, I haven't actually got to the routing, but I just, I've just set up the, um, the, right, the rails. The jig. Yep. Yeah. Um, but from the little bit that I have worked with, it's, it's softer than I thought it was going to be. It's not a particularly hard wood. Um, and the color is, I'm going to say average, and that sounds negative. It's not meant to be <laughs> negative, but it's not like a, a gum which has a really deep red, which in my opinion is an iconic, right. really nice color. It's just a mango is just a pretty stock standard color. But yeah, it'll be interesting once I actually get the router into and start cutting and get a real idea of the the identity but as i say it doesn't it doesn't feel very hard to me right cool yeah um and then other than that uh, as we speak i'm in brisbane at the moment traveling for my day job which is unfortunate Ooh. but these <laughs> things come up and if you are a struggling uh an up-and-coming struggling woodworker like i am you know that sometimes you got to pay those bills and and get out and do your day job so yeah um i left Townsville yesterday, yesterday afternoon, and I only get back on Wednesday. So right. it's going to be a very short woodworking week, week for me. But yeah, as I said, I got to, got to pay those bills, but at least we got to still do the podcast, which is good. So um, I've got a question. We might actually, let's let's jump into this question now. I know we normally save it for, for the right. end, but let, let's do it. Um, Fabian from Russia, good morning. How are you? So this is from Floel. Joey, how is the price point of such a ply kitchen compared to particle melamine, uh, just the stock price difference. Is the ply used for stability or just for ease of manufacturing? I think we touched on this a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I have no idea what I said then, but um, generally plywood is way cheaper. Um, and so uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what kitchens kind of go for where you are, but I mean, people can spend up to an excess of 50000 for a kitchen. And mm. it's, it's use, they use the same um, hardware that I use. And, you know, it's made the same way. They've got the same little plastic feet. And the materials cost a little bit more. Like melamine, like good quality uh, melamine does cost more than plywood. Um, so does it cost more than good plywood? Uh, it's probably about the same as, as say birch plywood. It's probably cost about the same. Yeah, because so, of the, the plywood that we get at you know like our local hardware store, you wouldn't want a kitchen made of that. So right. yeah, I guess it's grades obviously. So it makes it a bit tricky. So I, when I for the carcasses, I use low grade pine plywood, and for a start, it's just better than MDF is ever going to be. You can throw a bucket what? of water in there, and it's fine. Um, and is that like uh, sixteen mil? Eighteen mil. Eighteen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so one, one face is good, the other, the other face is pretty bad and it's full of knots and stuff and, and the one space is actually really clean. So it's pretty good. 
generally I would edge the edge of the carcass. You'll see I'll, I'll put a pine veneer on the edge. Um, so, so I can't, I still can't work out how they can charge that much for a kitchen, especially when you've got pre-finished product when they literally are just making a box and edging it and putting doors on it. They don't have to put it, take it to a sprayer. They don't have to do anything. It's just, yeah, that's true. It's finished straight away. As soon as they edge it, put it through the edging machine. So I cannot understand how people are paying what they are for, for these kitchens. Um, Could that not also just be to do with the grade of, of it? Like you obviously get different levels of it. So surely they must, they must just use it. But even then, I mean, really, let's say you need 10 sheets of, of melamine, $150 each that, that doesn't add up to $50,000. Like, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. You know, like there's no way that you can. So yes, these companies are going to have big overheads and stuff just, just to make this um, manufacture this product. But I, I still, I, I can't see when you go into a kitchen manufacturer who usually these days have all got CNCs just pumping out parts and they mm. will tell you that oh, we have to make two kitchens a week to stay alive and you're charging how much for the kitchen and you make, you can make it in three days. Like what, how come yeah. it costs so much? <laughs> like I, I still can't fathom it. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, you know, you, you and me aren't rich people. So, well, um, we're not, you know, we're not big spenders. So maybe when you get to that level, you're going with the trusted brand over, mm you know, Joey Chalk, who granted yeah. he can make it, but I don't know, Joey Chalk, I just want the safe option and I've got money to burn. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Cuffy has said, okay, yes, the appliances do add to the cost. Um, vinyl wrap, I'm not know if it actually costs that much these days for the like the heat shrunk vinyl wrap type doors. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the doors all just shot out by CNC. So, they kind of just go into an oven. Um, yeah. 50,000 probably covers, covers the redos, which is probably <laughs> probably accurate. Um, so but generally a kitchen from, from me, like this plywood kitchen, you're going to be spending about 8,000. Hmm. Um, and I'm still making money. It's, I'm not really making money when I've got to go back and reinstall it. But, you know, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you can't trip, like how, to, how can you charge triple for that? It does not make any sense. Um, I mean, it's, it just seems like literally money in the pockets of the business owner. Yeah. Um, which, okay, if you're going to pay for it and you're happy to get, you're happy, that's fine. Someone, you're making someone rich, but I don't think it needs to be that uh, that expensive. Okay. So, so, so in your opinion, ply over melamine just purely from a cost perspective? Um, well, like quality, I suppose. But I guess if you don't like the look of timber, you're not going to go for it. So... That was going to be one of my questions. Do your the people that buy these ply, ply, bleh, plywood kitchens do they paint it or do they leave it? With, it's usually all clear coated. Yeah, which is which I guess that's that would be a real. And when you say clear coated, you mean on the outside or inside or both? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can I can hear my wife in my ear going, "I don't want a whole timber kitchen. That's too much timber." Um, <laughs> she sounds a lot better than I do. I promise. Uh, the so like. I guess that would be a real sticking point because would you paint a ply kitchen? Is that something that you, uh, or is it just a feature the point then? These are in, are the inside of the cupboard, do you, I mean, do you really notice? How no, much? no, no. Obviously inside completely different, but I mean more the outside. The outside. Um, See, so generally the, the tops are not timber. Usually it's like a plywood fronts and show panels. Yeah. And then like stainless steel bench top is pretty much the norm with. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, of course. But I'm talking about the doors. Yeah. So, um, actually it's not, I don't actually think it's that much, that much plywood. I mean, you've got the same amount of paint, but people never seem, seem to say there's too much paint, but. <laughs> no, but we, we, we are obviously, um, predisposed to liking the look of timber yeah. where, you know, some people are like, I've, I can't understand how melamine kitchens do so well. Cause in my opinion, you've got these, these big plastic sheets in front of your, your doors, which is essentially all they are. Mm. And to me, terrible would much rather have timber yeah 
to be honest, I think the main reason I get jobs for plywood kitchens is because it, what I've been told is that guys who are making MDF kitchens don't have the machinery to deal with the plywood. Yeah. Um, and so they can't just cut a piece of MDF and put it through an edging machine. They don't have, that's, that's not how you work. You've got to cut it, mm. sand the edges, uh, and then decide if you're going to, if it's not going to, if it's a, sh- a good panel, you'll sand the edges and you've got to do that by hand. And I just don't think they've got the processes in place, the, the big ki- kitchen manufacturers to do that. And so mm. they just say no. And that's when the jobs end up filtering to me or people like me. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, so just a quick one here. Joe, Gareth asks, can you and Joey please say hello to my stepdad, Poppy Pops? <laughs> flying over from New Zealand to help me with my renovations on my home in Sydney. Be cool if you could. Poppy Pops, I hope you are either watching this or listening to this at some point. It's Your- Paddy Pops. Paddy Pops. Oh, I th- <laughs> I thought that was an interesting name. Petty Pops. There we Petty go. Pops. Hi, How Petty are you? Pops. Thank you for being part of the show. Um, Gareth, your stepson, I'm going to make sure that that's right before I go forward, um, is a super, uh, super fan of the show, which is very cool. So, yeah. All right. Well, today's topic uh, that we were going to talk about is um, to do with the, this is going to be a more YouTube uh, video editing oriented uh, video. So it's to do with the the process from start to finish of making a video. And importantly, what happens once we've made the video, what we do with it. So what we've discovered over the many weeks is that uh, between myself, Jordan and Joe, we've all got very different processes with our video so when i release a video i depending on on the type of video it is i put a lot of work into mm-hmm. promoting that video whereas joe joe is very much the video goes up onto youtube is what it is and it, it does its thing so i kind of wanted to just go through the processes that we use and and maybe talk about what we could improve with them that might help you if you are a youtuber and um possibly look at improving um, our, our own process, not necessarily just um, each other's. So right. I'll start I'll start with mine because uh, I think mine's probably, the, by the sounds of things, the most complicated out of the three of okay. us. So um, in terms of where I start, so obviously my first day, um, well, actually, before I even get into the woodworking project, I'm thinking of, not necessarily a concept of the video, but how do I want to start my video? So right now, as I mentioned, Scott and I are working on a video. We've already discussed what the intro of the video is going to look like before any tools have even got plugged in. Right. So I like to have a, a just a, a vague idea. If I'm going to go something out there with the video, then there's obviously a lot more pre-process. But that, to me, that first 10 seconds of the video has to be good if – in order to hold people to it. So there's a little bit of thought that goes into that. After that, make it up as you go. Right. So before I've even got into the the actual woodworking, I've thought about the start. Then I will go, obviously get started on it. A lot of the time it evolves as I go um, in terms of the direction and and maybe the story and how, what I want the video to be like, but that's all just a a work in progress. So let's, let's jump from there. We get to, the end of the, the 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 project. I'm finished with it. Now it's time to turn into video. All the way along the the woodworking process, I've been editing at the same time. And the reason I like to do that is you'll often find. And again, this is this is more to do if you're trying to tell a story with your video video, or you're trying to add a little bit of creativity to the video, and not just the project. But if you edit while you film, you you can sometimes find the video has like a natural direction that it takes Mm. which you know if it if it works then then you run with it i'd love to a shot (laughs) yeah i'd love to be able to have an idea like a like you know professional director where they're like this is what i want the video to look like and they achieve that goal straight away i'm i'm not at that stage Mm -hmm. yet um yeah you're saying as you so you you come up with a um an initial start to your video and you and you'll film that and then you just make it up as you go. 
do you do you try to maintain uh, some storyline or shots after that? I mean, are you still thinking, or are you just like doesn't matter? Just film me at the drop saw, film me planing a piece of wood. Doesn't matter what I'm showing, or if I've shown that shot twenty times in other videos. If are you always trying to keep it fresh, or if I've if I've come up with a story like what we did with that um, the that dramatic push block challenge a couple of weeks ago. Like, so that was, this is the direction that I want to take the video. This is, it's going to start off very dark. It's going to turn colorful. So all the shots then were, had that sort of that theme in mind. Right. But for the more generic general video, um, once that first shot is done, if I look at that shot and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. This is where I'm going to take the video. Then I'll do that. But 90% of the time that doesn't happen. So just, just because there's nothing special or unique about it. So mm-hmm. get that first shot, shot's good. And then it's just business as usual. As much as I, I, I think I understand what you're saying about the the idea of, um, you know, is it the same shot at the Midas saw each time? Mm-hmm. I think just the nature of what we do is that you're going you're gonna to yeah. always have overlap. There's only so many yeah. places you can put the camera around a, <laughs> around a Midas saw. And it drives me mad. The fact that I'm, you know, a, a sort of a, what am I? So about a, a one and a half meter up angle shot down of the Midasaur is just the most boring thing in the world. But how else do you do it? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a, sorry, go that's, on. That's why I think I started editing quite differently in that I would just start, start the shot halfway through a cut. So I, I only had, I had minimal amount of time. And even that's at three times speed. So like I'm already halfway through, you're just going to see that me finishing a cut and then I'm straight out of there doing something else because yeah. everyone knows what it looks like to cut something on a piece of, on a saw, but you kind of have to show it. Otherwise, you know, people are going to complain about where did that piece of wood come from? And I think you've, what you've done well with the way you put together a video is we've got it. We've got a shot of the chop saw and there's one shot and that's it. And then you might just, you might say something along the lines of, you know, I cut the board, but there's, I'm still in this very old habit. Maybe it's habit. Maybe it's I want to, I want to show the chop saw from a wide angle. As oh, I'm right. bringing the chop saw down, I'll film it again, close yep. up. So you can see it coming Three down. Quarters. And and all of that is just, I don't believe audience, the audience wants it anymore. No. The, the woodworking audience now is very different to what it was two or three years ago. Yeah. And they don't want, they don't care for that, which is fine. We've just got to, we've got to roll with that. Um, but yeah, I think that's what you've done very well. Every shot is a unique shot. Maybe between videos, there's you know the the planning shot that you do at your workbench. I've seen that a million times, yeah. but there's only ever one of it in each video. Yeah, that's so, right. So then, yes, yeah, so then once I've done my, I've started editing, and and I've got to a point where I think the video is good. If I'm coming up to a, sort of a, a deadline, then I'll try and get the majority of the the editing done before I even finish the the project. So then I can quickly just wrap it up at the end. But right. majority of the time, I'll have maybe 50% of it done at best. Mm. So the editing's, let's just jump forward. The editing is done. I finished the editing. The project's well done. That's that's in in the in far away in the past. Yeah. Um, finished the editing. I'll then upload that video a very rough form of that video to YouTube. And hmm. why I'm doing that is I'm, well, sorry, let me, let me, let me take a step back. If I ever use music in it, a very oh. rough form of it goes up to make sure that there's no copyright issues. Um, it doesn't always help because just, just last week I got hit with a, a copyright hmm. notice on one of my videos from a song that I used about two years ago. And at the time it was fine. Since yeah. then someone has licensed it and there's nothing I can do. Them all the money's going to them. Can so, you just take? You could just take the video down, right? Or I could remove the song. Uh, it's but the thing is, in this case, it's not one of my better performing videos. And unfortunately, and this is this is a warning to anyone out there who's going with a style. The song is so integ, the music is so integral to the right. feel of the video that if I pull it out, all the style's gone. Right. So I can still leave the video up, but all the the money or the money that comes from that is going to the right. So you might gain a subscriber from it. And that's the best 
you can hope. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I think I don't. I don't even think the video has ten thousand views yet. So right. that's why I say you know is what it is. It's gonna suck if it just goes gangbusters one day. But, <laughs> you know, we're, we'll cross that bridge. Um, so yeah, so videos uploaded, no copyright issues, perfect. Make sure that I do the final edit and then the video goes up. I try and get all of my videos uploaded a week before. Um, okay. And then worst case scenario, it goes up on the day. So anywhere between that range, I'll do. But what I really like to do is try and get the video up at least 24 hours before it goes live just to make sure that there's no issues. So um, I've had a lot of my videos uh, monetization removed huh. by YouTube, even when there's no music. And John Haas talked about this in one of his videos. He believes <laughs> all you YouTubers need to stop talking about the joints that they're making because <laughs> YouTube is, is picking up points. Oh, <laughs> really? He's trying to do some testing on it, and he, he swears by it that if you talk about the joints, your, your video is going to get hit, and I swear it's happened to me. Huh. Wow. I've so, never had that happen ever. Like, I've never had an email from YouTube saying anything bad. <laughs> so, have you checked the monetization, though, on some of your videos? Uh, I suppose I could. <laughs> I mean, you I've would, never checked. You would get. You don't necessarily get an email about that. Um, it just just turns off, does it? Turns off silently. Oh. So have a look at that because yeah, you may have some. A lot of the time, then it'll just come right again. But you do need to request a review manually. So, but so far, they are all still monetized. They're all green. There's no yellow they're icons. All green. Good. Apart from the two, I have those. Yeah. Huh. Um, all right. So the, the video is up. Uh, I still haven't published it yet, though, because that's going to come up. We're going to do that in a bit. The next thing that I do is set up a Instructable um, uh, project, which is where Instructables, for those of you that don't know, is 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 like a um, a DIY website where you take pictures and describe what you've created so it's like a it's like a a, a written form of a youtube uh, project build you don't have to have plans I, I thought you had to have actually plans for the instructables thing no it's it's super vague like some people would just put up a picture and then talk about it oh, okay it's very it's very vague but a lot of people a lot of people use the website it's, it's probably one of the biggest websites in its in its class and someone put that on to me not too long ago, and it, it's a it's a huge source of it was a huge source of use for me. I, I've since stopped using it as much, um, just purely because if if in my opinion if the project doesn't warrant it, if you if you can't sit down and 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 detail in text exactly what you've done for whatever reason, maybe the project just didn't warrant it, maybe the project was too complex, whatever, then it's not worth putting it up. But if you can, it's a fantastic way to get some extra views and subscribers. Right. So the Instructable is is written. So what I do is I go through my video and I take screenshots of the different parts of the videos. That's where I get my pictures from. And then I type up, you know, sort of like a step one, this is what I did. Step two, this is what I did. And I get that uh, project written and ready to publish, still not published yet. Then I would take that text and those pictures and create a separate, I think it's Imgur or Imgur um, right. project. And then that can be published into the DIY section. Jesus. You do a lot of work, man. <laughs> but that, you know, that's, that's set up ready to go. Now, all of this stuff, this is probably an hour or two before the, the actual release. Then I'll, open up all of the different Reddit forums. You've got uh, DIY, woodworking, and Joey, you need to get onto the woodworking Reddit form. I know you, we've talked about Reddit and you don't do Reddit, but man, there are people who would be lapping up the stuff that you're doing. Well, just watch my YouTube, man. <laughs> so uh, Reddit, the different forums, there's woodworking, uh, something I made, DIY, um, how to, there's a couple of them get them all set up, ready to go. I'll get my Facebook post set up. I will get a Instagram post set up. And I think that's all there is. 
And then once I've got basically a, a instant, you know, internet browser with all of those things lined up, then I hit publish on the YouTube video and then go through all of them and release all of them. Dude. The idea behind that is that you get what YouTube wants from you is to get maximum exposure. They want to see that your video does well in the first, I think it's 36 hours, either 36 or 48 hours. Mm. If you can show YouTube that you've got a popular video, then it will push it more. Mm. Now, obviously, I, I caveat that by saying we're going to hear in a second about what Joey does and, and clearly <laughs> one's working better than the other. But that, that's my <laughs> mentality. That that's where I'm going to generate my views. Um, and then that's pretty much it. Then some of them do really well. So like with my concrete countertop, got picked up through, I think it was through an instruct. I might be wrong, but I think it was through Instructables. Um, and my uh, wireless cabinet, that got picked up on Reddit. So it does work. You know, that, that wireless... Uh, bedside table that actually got to the front page of Reddit, which is just was just amazing. Like that's an incredible thing if you're a redditor. Um, so it definitely works, but it's it's a yeah it's a sh- shed so load of work. How long? I'm, I'm, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> like so, from the time say you finish your video, which you're happy with the edit, how much work are you putting on all the other sites? Probably another edit's worth. So like up to like three word, three hours or something. Yeah, yeah, easily, easily. Yes. Um, but it's funny. I know, I know a lot of the bigger guys. Um, Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. He does the same thing. A lot mm. of those guys. That's like that's their process. They they tick all these yeah. things off and they do it. Um, yeah, yeah no, I, I think David a lot of work. Does the same thing. I think he does a whole lot of other stuff before he puts a video out. Yeah, yeah, but I guess when you're doing that full time, and, and when you're doing that, mm-hmm. you're a when you're a YouTube creator, then it makes sense. Like if you're a woodworker, then that's just yeah. way too many overheads for you. Yeah, but yeah, so that's the idea. And then as soon as that's done, <laughs> next project, and yeah. hopefully oh, that good. takes off. So that that's my. Now I'm very interested to hear what yours is, Joey. Okay, so. Um, not very often I get to really think about what the project is going to be. Um, so usually it's just whatever the client client has decided what I'm going to make yeah. and I'll decide usually sometimes if I've got a lot of work on, I'll pick, I'll pick what job I take from a client depending on how cool a video I think it might make or if it's interesting. Um, so, so generally I will, kind of like you, Robin, I'll say, well, okay, I'm going to be making this. How, what's the best way to like kind of overall shoot this? Is it going to be something like I've done before? And if it's, if it is, I'll try and think of a way to do it slightly differently or what should I focus on rather than the last time I did it. Um, and now is that just from a, from a, a changing it up being interesting perspective or are you, is there yeah, something I just more? Don't like putting the same thing out twice, like, um, a lot of people on Instagram, uh, if I post a picture, especially of um, wardrobes, people always say, oh, when's the video coming out? And I'm like, they're like, I'm not doing another video on a wardrobe that looks exactly like the one I did you know, a year ago. I'll make it exactly the same way. So you just go watch that. But before um, we move off this topic, it, and we'll just, we'll, just be a, we'll just talk about this briefly, <laughs> do you not think that people want to see the same wardrobe over and over again? Because for some people that's, Interesting. So, are you are you being in? Are you uh, you know changing your 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 content up because you want it to be changed up, or are you changing it because you think the audience um, wants it? Oh, it's probably because I'm just bored of it, I suppose. <laughs> Which is interesting because I think we, as content creators, we often do this. We're like, oh, this is this is boring, but it mm. it might not be for someone. You know, they yeah. might want to see the exact same thing over and over again. And funnily enough, that video has done pretty well. And if I had another one like it and it did the same, then that would be good. But yeah, you, you've me, essentially broken the, the Da Vinci code of YouTube, you know, yeah. have at it, <laughs> open that bank accounts. Yeah. Cause to me, um, cause filming a big job like that as well is a pretty time consuming and keeping, see, that's the next thing is keeping a mental kind of storyboard going in my head. I always try and keep a, what was the last shot I filmed like an hour ago 
and it's probably going to run into this next shot. And so that last shot, I think, was like a mid shot. So I probably will go like macro, and then the next shot, I'll probably go back wide, um, depending what I'm doing. And I try and keep, and this is like all mental while I'm actually trying to work. Yeah. And then I'll get the camera and go like, oh, shit, what was the last shot? Okay, uh, I better try and change it. I only give myself uh, no more than 30 seconds to set up the camera any for any given mm-hmm. shot because otherwise it's, uh, I'm not making money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, set out, set up the shot, do make the project. I try to edit along the way when I can in the evenings. So I'll upload a day or two's worth of footage and just do a real rough edit. Mainly that's just getting sound levels down, changing some, um, some of the lighting, whatever I can. Um, and then once I get the whole lot kind of together, I'll, I'll then watch through it do another edit and then I start the voiceover and then I will edit after each section of voiceover. I'll generally do a little bit of editing on the video to make it yeah. a bit better. Um, and then it's just like hit export. And this, this, so this is where things get way different from Robin. Cause, <laughs> cause now, so generally I would have nowadays I'll take a little bit of time and take a couple of half good pictures for my thumbnail. I think that is a big, massive, um, yeah, a pretty big point. And so I actually try to come up with something that is interesting. It can be very difficult with large projects, which a lot of mine are. And so it can be very difficult to get a, a good th- thumbnail picture. Um, so once my video is um, rendering, I'm on Adobe Illustrator, throw together my, um, uh, my thumbnail picture export that and then it's just straight onto YouTube import and, and hit live within like half an hour and I'm out the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just, it's just I, uploaded and gone. <laughs> I've just got this mental image of you hitting publish and before you, before your fingers lifted, you're already out the door. That's what you? happened the other day. <laughs> Seriously. I was just like, bam, shut down computer. Go. <laughs> like, yeah. I was out of there. Um, and that's it. Like, I'm just like, YouTube, do your thing. Give me views. <laughs> do you spend much time on on comments following uh, up? I try to. Unfortunately, I tend to publish videos like just before I go to bed. Yeah, I'm exactly and the same. So then I, I usually wake up to say like 50 comments. And so the people aren't hanging around, but I will definitely go through them um, and like them or um, give a comment where I need to. Um, I do that for the first two days usually just keep an eye on comments and then after that I'm just I'm, I just randomly view comments and and usually um, answer the snarky ones yeah. <laughs> equally snarky comments because <laughs> it's always a bit of fun <laughs> I would I would now sorry, sorry before we move on um, for those of you who haven't uh, followed myself or Joey Joey's daily uh, subscriber and view count at this point is just over three times what mine is. And I, and I bring that up because the amount of work that I put in is to keep myself relevant where someone like Joey is, is putting in a lot less work, but because of his content, he's winning. And, and ultimately at the end of the day, we've heard it before on, on other videos, content is king. If you make good stuff, mm-hmm build it and they will come for people like myself, who's possibly not yet accomplished or not able to release as consistent, good stuff. I have to work a lot, lot harder. Um, so, so I just want to make mention of that. It's in no way am I saying that, you know, just looking at um, uh, Gareth, he just said something that it just, it seems like a lot of work and it is, but that work is necessary to keep myself going. But I would like to, do an experiment. This is, I've been thinking about this for a while, Joey. I'm yep. thinking of taking one of your, a couple of your videos and posting them on your behalf. Yep. Maybe make it instructable, Good put something on Reddit and, and see if, if it generates what I'm thinking of, because there's, there's a lot of uh, Reddit uh, subreddits out there that people would love what you're doing. And I just, I just want to do an experiment because I believe that if you were to put more, work into and you know whether you do or don't obviously that's fine but 
if you were to put more work into your post-publish, I believe tentatively that you could at least double your numbers. Right. Well, we'll give it a crack. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I might do that as a little side project. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to demand my my um, my yeah, paycheck on the side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I, th- I think it would be really interesting. I have actually thought um, when you look back at the videos I've released, there's a lot of there are a lot of interesting videos and I would mm. never have been able to put that content out if I wasn't getting client work. I, a lot of that stuff I build, I just wouldn't build because one, I just don't want it. Why would I come up with the idea? Like you, you almost need a third or fourth party just to be flooding ideas and every week text an idea to you. And then you, and then you go, Oh, that, that could be a good idea for a video. Like, having to rely on yourself to come up with interesting ideas Mm. is um, because like you were saying, they're not necessarily interesting to me, but because I have to make them, I might as well film it. And then they're going to be interesting to somebody else. Yeah. And so that doesn't necessarily, because I'm not always a hundred percent happy every day while I'm making these things because I'm I'm kind of like, yeah, uninspired a little bit by the job, but I'm doing it because I'm getting paid. Um, but that doesn't mean someone else might not be interested in the content. And so that's a really interesting interesting point. Yeah. yeah. Having someone else throw you ideas and say, now this week you just have to make this. Mm. And then you're kind of, you're tucked into that box. And I think you'd probably end up being more creative even. Yeah. I guess that gives you the, the benefit of you have someone supplying your, your ideas, but also, do you find that it kind of, like for me, I enjoy, well, not most, let's say 90% of the time, I enjoy filming my projects, but do you find that that part of it then is just a grind for you? The filming? Yeah. The, the, well, well, not so much the filming, but like the filmmaking process. Is that just a, is that just another page or income stream for you? Sometimes it can be. Like that last video I posted, it's concrete. Um, display stands ridiculous thing um, interesting I absolutely did not want to I didn't want to be making it I didn't want to be filming it but I needed a little um, to fill my channel a little bit which is what everything people say not to do um, people will say wait just wait just wait but it had mm-hmm. been like a month since I've uploaded anything I thought should I better put a video out yeah yeah and this jobs I'm gonna do it in under a week so I'll, I'll throw this together um, it's actually doing way better than I thought it would. Like yeah. I think this afternoon, like 15,000 views. And I was really shocked. So, um, because it's not a great, the, the project is such a weird thing. Mm. So, but I guess you could take, you could take away ideas from it, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that's, well, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a go and we're going to, we're going to see if, if we can get Joey some more views. All right. We're getting towards the, the end of the time. Um, uh, do, have you been watching anything interesting, Joey? Um, well, in a couple of days since. Yeah, yeah I know it, it, it has been a bit, uh, I, a bit short. I, I was going to say, uh, uh, um, who did I see? Who did I see? I can't think of it now. Well, while you're thinking about that, I have recently, uh, well, not recently, actually, it's probably been a few months now. Bruce, it's, I'm pretty sure you pronounce it Ulrich. So like Lance Ulrich, Bruce Ulrich. He's an American guy. You wouldn't think so with that, <laughs> that name. Um, he's sort of a, a sort of a, a dad woodworker is what I like to call it. That's pretty much what I'd consider myself to a large degree. Um, just makes some very cool projects. I really enjoy his style. He's also a super cool dude. I've, I've sort of commented on his videos and vice versa quite a few times. And he seems like a really nice guy. And he's very active in the community as well. So Bruce Ulrich, uh, we'll have all the links for these channels down in the YouTube description below. So yeah, go go say hi to Bruce and and, and show him some love. He's All a good the links. I can't think of who, who the hell I'm talking about. So yeah. <laughs> um, you can see that one link. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. We'll leave it at that. Um, uh, yeah, no, I really haven't had much of a chance. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. We can. I'll tell you what we can do. We can just put up an uh, Ishitani link because sure. uh, Leroy was just making mention that this is officially now the Ishitani Appreciation Society. So we just throw up a, a video of his. <laughs> if you've got a new video, then go watch that. Yeah, it'll be good. I must say, I've got nothing against his videos, but and maybe I shouldn't be saying this because I'm going to get burnt at the stake. But I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not amazed by them. They were okay. They're okay. I don't see them as, I don't see his videos as, um, cause obviously he doesn't make them. He's mm. just there. And I think yeah. it's his wife who does the filming and, and editing. Um, so I don't see them in the same realm as like a Frank Howarth video. Like mm. it's not an arty video. I just see it as a slightly better filmed um, regular woodworking video. Like I say slightly better because there's someone with a camera walking around and I like that aspect of having mm. a floating camera. I think yeah. it's, it's, that is probably a pretty big difference point for, for uh, Ishitani. But, um, and the work itself is pretty good. Mm. I, I think he's, he's pretty bloody good woodworker, but yeah, the videos aren't, aren't necessarily stand out. I think his work does, but yeah, and I think I think that's what it is. I should I should probably have caveated that by saying I don't think he's like a bad woodworker. He's incredible, but I don't. And it's so cool that you mentioned Frank because he's a perfect example. When a Frank House comes video comes on, the wife leaves. I put the dog away. I close the door. <laughs> doesn't matter what I'm doing, and I watch his video because I'm excited about this video. I just don't get that. Um, Leroy, I'm so sorry. I feel like I've disappointed you. Please come back to our podcast and keep watching it. Um, but yeah, it's just he doesn't have that, um, that uh, yeah, that excitement about yeah. it. But his, no, his woodworking is just off the chart. Um, they've got a quick question here. Yeah. Do we get more motivated and excited when working with a new timber? Um, I would say that I do, but only for probably the first. Basically, the excitement for me is is the the first couple of cuts. Feel what it's like. Oh, this is an interesting experience. Smell it. Smell it. Maybe you know, take a bit off of the you know plane or something, and then that's pretty much it. Then it's it's back to. But then having said that, I haven't worked like Joey. It seems like you work with all these just these million and one other different Great. species. Yeah. I've only ever worked with a handful of of different yeah. woods. Um, I definitely I used to because. I wanted to work with everything that my timber supplier had because there was just this massive range. And so for the first like year, everything I made was from the next timber in the rack just to see what it was and what it did. And it was really exciting. And um, I think up until the point I started working with Iroko actually, because that's when now I think about being nervous while working with new timber, because mm -hmm. you have no idea what it's going to do. And most, like especially Iroko is not going to stay straight for you and you really need to build that into your whole game plan. And, and then once I kind of realized that timber is not all as easy as working with walnut, like this <laughs> really work sometimes to get a piece looking nice. Yeah. It also makes you respect what other people make when you see them making something really awesome out of a difficult timber. That's when you're like, okay, this guy's really put some thought into this because it's not just that easy to cut a piece of wood and not have it splinter or shatter or sh split on you. So that video where, you, where you, I think you were putting it through the bandsaw, was it a bandsaw? Yeah, that, that jammed up my um, the new table saw. The no, new no, no. Saw. I mean that that was incredible as well. But the one oh, where you, and it split. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen that before. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was really glad I got that on film because mm. it has happened to me a few times. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it doesn't happen super often, but it certainly does. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was something else. Cool. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to leave it there, guys. Thanks very much for, for joining in. Um, unfortunately, as I said in the beginning, Jordan couldn't be with us for the show tonight. He's, he's on tour making robots for stages. And, um, yeah, so he'll be back possibly in the next two shows, but if not, touch and go, he'll definitely be back 
in the next in the third show from tonight. Yeah. So yeah, he will be back. He's not off the podcast. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I was joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Thanks very much to everyone in the chat for sticking around and, and keeping it entertaining. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. So the show will be at Monday again next week, and it's going to be like that for the next three weeks. So change your schedule, set your alarms, and we'll see you again. <laughs> Same time next week. See ya.